0: everyone and welcome to the Actually Autistic Podcast. I hope that you're all healthy. I hope that you're all safe. I hope that you're all comfortable in your self-quarantine. Today is April 19th of the year 2020 and if you are listening to this in the future, then you know that we are in the middle of a pandemic, or what our ancestors would have called a plague. So I have one announcement, which is that uh, Wushka, which has been hosting my podcast for free for low these many months, has decided, in the middle of a pandemic, to start. Charging little creators like me twenty nine dollars a month to host the podcast with them well <laughs> guess what i I don't have twenty nine dollars a month. I have zero dollars a month right now i I'm not eligible for unemployment. I don't have a savings account <laughs> anymore um, I'm not obviously not in a position to give them $29 a month. So I am going to be signing up with another podcast host. I should be able to transfer all the episodes over. I'm probably going to go with Anchor just because uh, they're established, they're unlimited, and I'm reasonably certain that these podcasts will be able to stay up there. (sighs) To say I'm disappointed is something of an understatement, but, you know, what are you going to do? Apparently, my little podcast is too much bandwidth for them to support in spite of what they originally said their model was. So anyway, uh, if you have trouble finding the podcast, I mean, if the podcast disappears out of your feed, and you're not getting any more new episodes, then you may need to unsubscribe and resubscribe under the new host. I'm not sure what's going to happen. It's, I have until April 30th to get all this shit worked out, so we'll see what happens. So as I discussed in the last podcast, I've opted to self-isolate. I I opted to do that fairly early on. I have my family living with me. I have my husband and my grown son both live in the house. So I'm not alone. I also have uh, two cats and three dogs. So I'm never ever lonely for which I am extremely grateful. And my family has been wonderful through the whole thing my husband and my son have been fantastic and in terms of like what i have been doing well I, I promised that i would tell the story of where i was in between july of last year and now and it's it's a little sad it's not heartbreaking i i, I mean in a in a world full of heartbreaking occurrences Uh, My little problems amount to a hill of beans, as they say. Nonetheless, (laughs) it's still, you know, my little hill of beans. So about last July or so, I started to understand that Dungeons and Dragons had become a huge thing while I wasn't paying attention and that there was an incredible community building up around the Dungeons and Dragons culture and that it's a really great space for neurodiverse people always has been always will be and let me just be clear if you want to play Dungeons and Dragons and you're autistic or neurodiverse in some other way There are no barriers to you playing Dungeons and Dragons. I would argue that allistic people, meaning non-autistic people, are the ones who are kind of late to the party. But all that aside, if you want to play Dungeons and Dragons, fantastic. Go for it. Your neurotype is not a barrier. It can be difficult to find groups of people that you want to play with. And that was a big impetus for why I started this huge project. So my son is a big Dungeons and Dragons fan and throughout his childhood, it was kind of a constant effort to try to find D&D groups for him to play with. You know, back in the in the 90s and, and early 2000s, it was not a big deal. And so finding people was difficult. I found a group of adults to take him in. (laughs) They seemed a little grumpy about that. I don't know. Anyway, it was difficult. And so when Dungeons and Dragons came roaring back into the popular culture, I thought, wow, this is great. Maybe we should do something about this. And I've got a lot of kind of entrepreneurial experience, a lot of business experience. You know, when you're autistic, sometimes you find that being self-employed is actually your best bet, is actually much less risky than trying to work for a bunch of ballistic people who get offended all the time when you state the bleeding obvious. So I was talking to my son, and I said, look, let's make a little Dungeons & Dragons play space, like a cafe, and we'll we'll hold games there, we'll teach classes, we'll have workshops... Dungeons and Dragons is becoming huge now. What do you think, honey? And he thought it was a great idea. So I have a background in set design, as I've mentioned ad nauseum in the podcast. And my husband is this incredible woodworker. And my son is one of these people who can play a game once and then remember the rules for pretty much ever. And so we thought, well, a little board gaming cafe was you know, pretty much right in our wheelhouse. And I thought, Well, what are the odds of me finding something in this huge city that's incredibly expensive, like every other city, you know, the odds of us finding someplace are pretty slim. And so my son and I were looking and looking and looking and not finding anything. And, you know, encountering landlords who didn't want to start up or didn't understand what Dungeons and Dragons was or or thought they knew what it was and thought it was a terrible business idea. But finally, we actually did find an incredible space and it was a miracle of miracles, affordable. The landlord was in a completely different state and she just thought that it was a great idea. And so we moved into this space on... A main street drive-by and walk-by, traffic were fantastic, visibility was amazing, I instantly started getting a lot of interest in what we were doing, and so then, of course, the build-out started where we were building it out. And my idea was to make it look like the inside of Castle Ruins with like a little tavern kind of set up in there and I did that mostly with paint and lighting and my husband's amazing woodworking skills. So my husband and I have collaborated on you know quite a few projects the main one being our lives but we've also done you know a lot of remodeling things and a lot of other kind of little projects. We did a Shakespeare company together where you know, he was basically building everything that I asked him to build because he's amazing. And so we, you know, we learned a long time ago that uh, I'm the designer and the planner. I'm the long range thinker. And he is the one who figures out literally the nuts and bolts of how we're going to get it done. And, you know, we we help each other with those things. Um the key that we found really is for me to be able to communicate clearly to him, often in three-dimensional models or detailed drawings, what it is that's in my head so that he can understand what it is that I'm trying to create. So it, it went along really well. We got a liquor license so we could serve beer and wine. We had beautiful booths. Each one had a different theme. There was a Cthulhu-themed booth and a dungeon-themed booth and a uh, enchanted forest-themed booth, and then one that was basically just, you know, a, a beautiful landscape with castles in the background. And then we had another one that was outer space, and then the rest of the space was painted to be like an, you know, castle ruins with lots of faux stone you know, faux kind of three-dimensional appearing painted stone on all the walls. And I got all these lights that looked like torches, and my husband's tables were amazing. He had these huge slabs of wood that he created these just gorgeous, gorgeous playing spaces on. And we worked on the space. Um, it, It had some problems. There'd been some pot growers in there before. And if any of you have moved into a space after pot growers were there, you know that it often requires a lot of love and attention. And in this case, the previous tenant had hidden the hot water heater behind a wall after they had disconnected it. They had, Filled the chimney with ducting, and so the gas furnace that had previously been ducted through the chimney was not ducted through there anymore. And so, not only did it not work, but it was a serious health hazard. None of the lights worked. I don't want to tell you what the bathroom looked like, it was not good. Anyway, there was a lot of work to be done. And although my landlord paid for these repairs. Uh, she was literally a big pain in the ass about it like just whining and complaining about it I'm like lady you know you have this 80 year old building it's going to need some repairs after there have been growers inside there so I would say that we probably lost a month or two while she was dragging her feet while I was trying to find an electrician to do the work blah 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 and through it all I was dealing with the normal challenges of autistic burnout, chronic fatigue, ME, whatever you want to call it, my ability to do physical work, even mental work is fairly limited. And so I kept a um, kind of massage table there that I could lie down on when I needed to. And with that and with a lot of hard work from my son who was still working his regular, uh, nine to five job. That was part-time cause they won't give him more hours than that. And, uh, my son, my, um, my husband's, uh, full-time very demanding job that he loved and that paid pretty well. So the three of us worked and worked and worked on this space. We, had some lovely help from some lovely friends who donated their time. A good friend of ours helped me paint the interior. He had a, a sprayer cause he's a, a professional, you know, like commercial house painter finisher. And by November I decided, okay, we're, we're open enough. We're gonna try and, and open up some more. And at that point, We didn't have a whole lot, really. We had a a pretty good game library because I had bought out a game store that was going out of business. I'd bought a lot of their games at, you know, 50 and 80% off. Uh, Keep in mind, like, we don't have a lot of fucking money. Like, you know, I think we started this project with like $5,000 and It was just because my husband was working and my son was working and we just kept shoveling money into the damn thing. So it was all coming along. And then in about December or so, I'm like, oh man, we, you know, we need some stock. We need something. And so we were able to refinance the house, which was great. We didn't take out any loans for this project, thank goodness. Don't ever take out a small business loan, really. Just don't do it. I don't care how tempted you are, don't do it. And we did not, luckily, take out a small business loan. But we did refinance our house, and uh, we pulled a few thousand dollars out. And with that, I was able to stock the store with crafting supplies, miniatures, uh, mini figurines for Dungeons and Dragons, and we were able to buy a few more things that we needed, like a coffee maker and so on. So, you know, December was pretty slow. I mean, yeah, we didn't have a lot of stock to sell, unfortunately, at that point. Uh, we didn't really have stock until January. And so by about mid-January, we had stock, we had crafting supplies, uh, the space looked really good at that point, point. and uh, I think we put up a sign like at the end of January finally we were able to do that. Anyway, people were starting to come in, and of course, you know, people don't buy much in January, but about February, things started to pick up. Now my birthday was February 5th. And <laughs> that was kind of the last the last good day. And e- even then it wasn't such a great day because my I have these three little dogs and the two boy dogs don't always get along and they got in a fight. I had to take him the the old dude to the veterinarian on my birthday. <sighs> and so there went $1200 that we weren't expecting to have to spend. Now at that point honestly our bank accounts have probably never looked better, really. Um and then within a few short days I had ordered a bunch of stock and then we needed $1200 for my dog and our our finances have not recovered since then. But I digress. So uh, February, uh, sales were really good. We were, you know, each week was a little better than the week before. The first week we were selling about $50 a day. The next week it was like $75 a day. The week after that it was like $100 a day. You can see where this was going. It was all headed in the right direction. We still weren't, you know, making a profit by by any means, but we were at least getting some money back, which obviously we desperately needed. And then, so on the first Tuesday, the first primary here in the United States was in February. I think it was like a a few days after my birthday. Yeah, I think it was February 9th, and I don't want to go over that again because it's all traumatic still. I'm still pretty traumatized by what happened during this election, but I don't want to talk about that at all. Anyway, a uh, we had a little primary watching event in the store, and a friend of mine brought a friend of his along, and he said, hey are you at all worried about that coronavirus? And I said, what? He said, yeah, there's a, you know, there's a really kind of scary epidemic happening in China. I'm like, oh, no, I, I had no idea. And, you know, th- there's scary epidemics happening all the time all over the world. It, it it did not occur to me at that point that this was anything for me personally to worry about, of course. because I didn't get the briefings that apparently the people in the government did, who then went and sold their stocks. But anyway, so yeah. This guy said, hey, um, yeah, I I think it might be kind of serious. You might want to keep an eye on it. And so I did, and... Things keep getting worse and worse and worse about it in the news. In the meantime, you know, I'm still not really processing that I might, that this might affect me directly at all. But I'm just extremely empathic. And when I hear about, you know, uh, an earthquake or, you know, some other disaster happening somewhere else, I feel it. I feel it very strongly. When I was I think 12, there was a, a terrible, terrible earthquake in South America around Christmas time. And I just cried for days. I cried for days and days and days over it. Well, and so it crept closer and closer, but still, you know, I, I, I didn't know it was going to affect us at all. And so I'm still buying stuff for the store. I'm planning events. We're doing trivia nights. We were going to have a nerdy burlesque on the first day of spring, which was March 20th. I have a lot of friends in the burlesque community, and I know some amazing people, and they were happy to come into the space. And, you know, I was going to give them all the ticket sales. Just let me sell beer, damn it. So that was all scheduled. And then I began seeing what was happening in Italy. And I I have friends online that are in Italy, in part because I know a lot of theater people and run a big uh, scenic design group on Facebook. There's a lot of theater artists in Italy. and And I believed them. And... You know, my mind all of a sudden was like split into two realities, which is really uncomfortable place to be. It's a space that I'm, I'm guessing most of you are familiar with after what we're all going through. So part of my head was like, okay, I got a plan for the store. I've got a big list of things I need to do for the store. And then on the other side of my brain was, holy fuck. If there's a pandemic here, the United States is obviously not prepared, and I need to be thinking like it's Y2K20 and start uh, planting potatoes. So, as it crept closer and closer, uh, I, the the pinnacle of this was when I, my wonderful in-laws came up to visit and... They were helping us with the store and I was trying to come up with a menu and I think I drove them crazy obsessing over the menu for the place and on the one hand I was, you know, going to Costco and stocking up on, you know, things like pet food and stuff. I did not stock up on toilet paper, (laughs) it didn't occur to me. I got the normal toilet paper, we're still fine on toilet paper, but I did stock up on things that I normally buy and it got a little extra of, like I got two cartons of mac and cheese instead of just one carton of mac and cheese. I, I got two things of jelly instead of just one. You you get the idea. Fortunately, we're vegetarians, so that really makes your self-quarantine shopping cheaper and easier to store. We were already good on pasta, but I, I did buy some rice, uh, bought some honey you know and all the time there's these two realities going on in my head well by March 7th I realized that uh, this was serious and that I, I had to close down the cafe and It obviously was not an easy decision to make, but it was clear that it was not possible to maintain even the most mildest of social distancing protocols when you're encouraging people to come in and play board games and Dungeons and Dragons in close proximity in these beautiful little booths that we'd built And not only did I think that it was a bad idea from a safety standpoint, but it's like not something you have to do. I mean, you know, the whole point of the cafe was to get people out of their homes, playing together, meeting people directly in their community instead of, you know, trying to find people online in virtual space, get people away from their screens, And pandemics and plagues, they change behavior. They should change behavior. And I recognized that people were not going to be wanting to do these kinds of activities once so many people had died, once so many people were infectious it it changes behavior when when a society goes through a traumatic experience and so we we shut it down it was a very difficult conversation with my son and my husband difficult not because they they were arguing with me or anything like that but difficult because we all had to go through this incredible disappointment and your brain goes back and forth trying to, you know, it goes through all the stages of grief, right? Uh, You know, it's a big denial and bargaining. I mean, all that. And it's all jumbled up, obviously. It's not in a tidy line. And I think there's a lot of other emotions in there, uh, um, like hysteria and uh panic and uh affection poignancy nostalgia so we we had all the feelings but eventually we we were all really understanding as more and more news was coming out that yes we had to close it down and so we began shutting it down and uh, thank goodness, uh, my landlady, who had been a pain in the butt during the <laughs> building process, turned out to be really uh, compassionate during this part of it for which i'm very, very grateful. She let me out of our lease uh, she's returning the uh, you know the the cleaning deposit whatever you want to call it the damage deposit she's returning all that, and she's returning our last month's rent and did not, you know, try to make us stay in the lease or anything like that. And so it's gone. It's gone. And yes, we lost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Oh, my God. Thousands of dollars, and I've never been wealthy. I grew up very poor, very neglected. I've never been able to make a lot of money. That was my son's life savings. It was our life savings. It was uh, money, equity that we had in our home. Uh, I do wanna say that our our housing payments actually went down, so that's that's a good thing. we are not suffering any ongoing financial effects other than having lost the money that we lost. And you expect a new business to lose money. In the first two years, you you know, you consider yourself lucky if you're even if you're going to break even. So we did You know, we're moving towards the point of breaking even. I think, you know, by May or August, we would have been covering our rent. And, uh, you know, certainly by the fall, we would have been doing really well. But no. And, you know, there are literally millions and millions of people who have lost their businesses. Millions of people who did take out loans, millions of people who had employees, who had ongoing businesses, who lost much, much, much more than we did financially. So I want to be clear that I I understand that and I have nothing but empathy and sympathy for everyone, everyone involved. you put your heart and soul into something like this and you're trying to serve your community and it just goes poof. It's a it's a tough one. We got a, a lot of nice, really lovely support from the community that had been involved in the store. People very kind and sad for us. Um... And I do want to state that, except for losing the money, I have zero regrets about it. It was an amazing project. It was doing well. We met some wonderful people because of it. People that are my friends now, you know, customers that we had that came in. But that's what... That's what I was doing. So we brought the the booths home, and we're making a greenhouse out of them. And the beautiful tables that my husband made, uh, some of them, you know, we just have them in our house. I have a beautiful, beautiful dining room table now. There were some other tables that were in the booths that... um, yeah, honestly, I don't know what we're going to do with them. They're they're really pretty. They're like cherry veneer on top of particle board, but you, you can't build with them on anything that's going to be outside because particle board and moisture are not a real good combination. So, but other than that, you know, a lot of the stuff we were able to continue to use the The fridge that we were using as a soda fridge uh, turned out to be great for uh, fermenting beer. My husband's putting uh, beer in there where he can regulate the temperature at the perfect degree that he wants it to be. There were a lot of things that we brought home. Um, For instance, I I had ordered all this wonderful tea from a a local tea company, and so now we are stocked up on tea. We're stocked up on Mountain Dew. I hate Mountain Dew. (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do with all this Mountain Dew. But uh, maybe I can barter it uh, for some chocolate or something (laughs) later on. uh, Fuck, I don't know. (sighs) We have all these games. I think we're probably going to sell some of those locally eventually and we have a tremendous amount of mini figurines that we're also going to try to find a way to sell eventually it's likely that you know supply chains are going to be broken for a while i don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of mini figurines coming out of china for <laughs> who knows how long so i have this great stash of mini figurines and you know I think eventually they maybe have been a good investment. It's certainly a nice activity during a quarantine, and I think I can find a way to sell and deliver those locally, drop them on people's doorsteps as if they were, you know, something they would ordered out to eat or their groceries or something like that. So, you know, in that sense we still have a lot of what we put into the space we still have all the amazing torch lights and everything and we'll be able to put those up all over the house and you know i am still a a set designer and scenic painter and i can paint the inside of my house to look any way i want it to in fact my basement looks like the inside of a Tudor cottage because I went nuts one winter and painted it like that. And when you're in theater, you feel differently about painting, I think, than people who haven't painted—excuse <coughs> me, painted for theater—feel. Um, you know, you lose every set design at the end of each show, and so you know, I I can think about it like that. We did find new tenants for the space, which was fantastic. It, it means that we got even more money back, which I'm, again, incredibly grateful. And these new tenants uh, very kindly agreed to do the repainting so that I didn't have to do it, which would have been time-consuming and exhausting and sad. So I'm really grateful to these new tenants that came in so that I didn't have to paint over all my murals. And I'm, again, very grateful to my landlord for being so compassionate and helping us out by actually giving us some money back. In the meantime, you know, we're cramming everything into our house. And again, I I am so thankful and feel so fortunate to be in this 1957 house with a huge finished basement. The, the family that lived here before us lived in it from the moment it was built until we bought it, which means there wasn't a lot of weird remodeling done to it. They just, lived in it and made it really nice and comfortable and the mom was a master gardener and did beautiful things in the yard we have you know flowers all spring and and all summer and I am grateful to her Uh, she she had passed in her 90s I think she was 94 the year before we bought the house and then her children and grandparents and grandchildren fixed up the house and so then then we got to buy it and here we are and here i am and that's where i was um i'm still you know still kind of in shock i'm still sad I'm sad about so much, I'm heartbroken about the way my country is dealing with this plague. I'm heartbroken at how confused and deluded so many people seem to be, thinking that it's some sort of hoax. I want to reiterate that now is not the time to get an autism diagnosis. Now is not the time to tell people you're autistic. They are asking people who are autistic to sign a do not resuscitate form. Sometimes doctors are doing that for the autistic person, which is heinous. So no, don't get a diagnosis now. Don't tell people you're autistic. If you have to go to the hospital, do not mention that you're autistic. Just just don't do it. They don't understand what autism is. they They have absolutely no idea. So just don't mention it. They don't need to know. Other than that, uh, plant potatoes if you can plant a vegetable garden if you can learn to bake bread all of those things that you know we're seeing everybody do online <sighs> stay home they can't they can't promise us safety from this until there's a vaccine that's accessible to everyone and proven effective or some kind of cure that is again accessible to everyone until they have those things they should not be having people congregate together. They should not have people going back to school. There should not, people should not be opening up non-essential businesses. You shouldn't go to sporting events. You shouldn't be near people. Even just talking, just talking can transmit the virus between two people, one who doesn't know they even have it, and one who didn't have it at all until that person started talking to them. It can also be tracked on your shoes, it falls on the floor and you can track it around that way. A really useful, uh, what's the word, Uh, metaphor, is glitter, is just think about glitter and how glitter gets everywhere and how, you know, if somebody had glitter dumped all over them and all in their lungs and every time they breathed, glitter came out, that's what this virus is like. And uh, unfortunately, the death toll is higher than the 2% that they're reporting. If you look at closed cases, if you look at a group of people, say 100 people all came down with the virus, were tested, uh, half of those would be asymptomatic. Um, But I digress. So let's say 100 people... They've been tested. They they know that they have it. Of those in the United States, 60% of those would recover. 40% would not recover. If you follow the same 100 people all the way through the full course of their disease, 40 of them will die. Now, those statistics are called closed case statistics. Worldwide, closed cases are currently at 20%. Now, we know a lot of those figures are wrong. We know that, you know, a lot of deaths aren't being reported. We know that if somebody died of pneumonia, and maybe it wasn't COVID, that it would could have been reported as COVID, but I... I'm certainly willing to bet on the 20% fatality figure. So it's not 2%, it's more like 20%. And if you're in the United States and have limited access to medical facilities and care, then that number is obviously going to be much higher. So please people, stay inside, stay safe. If you live in one of these crazy places where they've opened it up before there's a vaccine, stay home. Don't let people pressure you into going back out and participating in group activities. It's 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 suicidal to do so, frankly. So, yeah, I know this has been a bummer of an episode, but you know what? It's a bummer of a time. The good news is I'm here and you're here. And together, we're going to try and make a better world. And together, we can be empathic and kind. And together... We can do everything we can to make the spaces that we're in comfortable and safe. I'm going to be working on some more episodes, and I'll admit it's really hard. It's really hard for me to just get out of freaking bed right now. Really, really difficult. That note from Wishka saying they were going to cancel my podcast. Oh, my God. I cried all day. I cried all day. It just doesn't take much. And I know, I know that I can probably find another host for it, but uh, God almighty. And no, I haven't gotten a stimulus check. And no, I'm not eligible for unemployment. And no, my business is not eligible for any... Any funds, any small business loans, it's not eligible for any of that, because for all of that, you have to be able to show that you're losing money that you would have otherwise made. And because we were a new business, we didn't have a profit, I didn't have an income, I can't prove that I'm losing income that I never had to start with. So If you've got it in your head that you're going to tell me that I'm eligible for all that crap, I'm not. Let me just tell you, I looked into it. I'm not eligible for any of it, not a dime. Um, And no, my stimulus check has not arrived. And yes, I looked it up online. And what it said online is, we don't know why you don't have it. We can't tell you. We don't have enough information (laughs) Yeah, it's hysterical laughter. But look, I have food. I'm incredibly fortunate. I have a comfortable home. I have people I love and uh, doggies and kitties to hang out with. And I have a garden that I'm getting out in and loving and enjoying. I have really nice neighbors that if I'm going to be going through the end of the world as we know it, I'm really glad it's them They're all really nice gardeners and kind, generous people, and I just also want to say that I have some amazing in-laws who live on a farm and just sent us a care package full of canned goods and uh, tomatoes and potatoes and chicken wire, and I love them dearly, and I I feel like the most fortunate human in the entire world. I, I really do. I... I am not a person to to worry about right now. And in terms of my emotional well-being, yeah, I'm sad. It's appropriate. I should be sad. But my grief is largely for other people who... Well, you know. So I am going to continue to work on the podcast uh, partly because it's good for me it's good for me to get out of bed it's good for me to connect with people and you know i i hope that as you're stuck in your little space that, that you know if you've grown fond of my voice and my wacky personality that maybe i can help distract you for a little while Oh, I, I'm currently playing Animal Crossing, but I'm I'm too cheap to buy the the uh, you know yearly membership. That may change, so don't try to find me on Animal Crossing. I'll let you know if that changes. I started playing Witcher Three for the first time. It was on sale for like eleven ninety nine or something. And honestly, at this point, it's just too gray and gritty for me. I'm not I'm not into it. I'm much more into the uh, bright colors and catching butterflies aspect of Animal Crossing. Although I did have to turn the sound off because it is fucking annoying. I'm going to be working on possibly doing more Dungeons and Dragons related stuff. I, I thought that that was what I was going to be doing, that I would start teaching Dungeons and Dragons classes and doing Dungeons and Dragons sessions online, maybe having a Patreon and stuff like that. And I I may still do that. But right now, I'm really giving myself permission to not commit to anything. I'm just not capable of that. You know, I, I just, I have some really bad days where a lot, all I can do is plant flowers on Animal Crossing and... I'm not going to judge myself on that. And I I don't want anybody depending on me or counting on me to show up at a particular time to entertain or instruct them quite yet. I'm optimistic I'll get there just because I'm a know-it-all who likes to explain things. But I'm not there yet. Right now, I'm still at the sorting through everything in, in my basement phase, trying to make it so that it's functional down here. Setting up a crafting area that's separate from where my cats are and a little office uh, down here in the enchanted basement where my recording studio is. So I want to remind you that this podcast will not be on the same host after April 30th, or perhaps even before that, as soon as I can get it transferred over. So you may need to unsubscribe and resubscribe if you don't see it in your feeds. I will try to get another podcast out, uh, probably in a few weeks, just something saying hi to people so that you know that there is something to sign up for there. Maybe I'll give a little review of video games or something like that I don't know I've got some episodes that I need to edit and put out I'd like to get those out so yeah host is changing gonna have to move it over so thank you all for listening love you all and thank you for being actually autistic take care